and welcome to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Weisel, and this is the last time you will be listening to Very Amusing. Wait, 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 that's not the end of the sentence. <laughs> Shouldn't have phrased it like that. This is the last time you'll be listening to Very Amusing on this old microphone. I fully upgraded everything. I think it arrives later this week, I'm pretty sure. And I'm going to have a new mic, a new thing, a new stand, a new stand that's like a little arm that you bend around like I'm freaking NPR or something. I'm very excited about it. It took me years to upgrade my audio equipment, and I'm so, so excited that hopefully this podcast will sound even better going forward. But we are back this week. It is a new year. It is a new, it's not a, not a new season. We don't really do seasons anymore. It's just a new episode, and I'm very, very happy to be back. I hope everyone had a lovely holiday and a wonderful new year. I spent my new year eating Ethiopian leftovers because I got them for dinner, but I ended up breaking into them for lunch because I couldn't help myself and watching Reacher, which I think I talked about on here before. I can't stop yelling about it. I love Reacher, but it was nice. I got in bed at like 10 o'clock ish. It was no big thing, which is what it's like when you have a fresh baby and you're celebrating New Year's. But either way, that time between Christmas and New Year's, no matter what religion you celebrate, is so bizarre. And I really, I really lived it up this year. I was in Colorado last week, as you all know, and usually we we just can't get home on time because of, of snow. It's snow, weather, snow, things like that. Wind, snow. And we actually made it out before the weather happened this time, so I had a few days in town with nothing scheduled because I figured I would have had to cancel on everyone, and I ended up doing so much. I got to go to Tam O'Shanter with a couple friends, and we sat at the Walt Disney table. This is a place where Walt Disney and his Imagineers used to go a lot. It is in Los Angeles. And we got to sit at the Disney table. We wanted to ask for it. And we were like too scared to. We were like, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. And then they magically sat us there. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. I went for sushi with friends in San Gabriel Valley, which is very far from me. But we took advantage of there being basically little to no traffic during this time of year. I got into Anajak, Anajak Thai. It's this very popular Thai restaurant. Very, very popular in Los Angeles. Uh, I did have a 4 p.m. dinner there, but you know what? When you blame it on the baby, it seems like a normal time to eat. That was great. I I just did a bunch of stuff and I cleaned out part of the house that I had been meaning to do for a full calendar year. So now I feel prepped and ready for the new year and for many new episodes of this podcast. I mean, I still have like a horrifying to-do list. I don't want to seem like one of those people who has their lives together. (laughs) My inbox is uh, still a mess, but I am ready for everything this new year brings, including so much more theme park coverage. And Ugly Betty. I've been watching so much Ugly Betty. I didn't know it was this good. And I think it's really scratching a publishing itch because I'm a freelance writer. I don't have, uh, I don't have staff that I work with. I don't go to editorial meetings. I don't have a desk outside my house. So it really just makes me feel weirdly like I'm, cause it's trapped in time from when I was in publishing, like back in New York, back then when the show was on. So now it's just, it's just really nice to watch it and feel a little bit like, oh yeah, that's what magazines are like in person or were. Cause now everything is basically digital. Anyway, let's get to the podcast. <laughs> Enough of my rambling at the top of this year. I will say I am so excited because we have a lot coming out this year. We have so much. I'm, I have almost the whole schedule planned. There's so much coming. It's going to be great. But if you are returning from having been out of town, having been traveling, um, listen to the past two episodes. The, the Zootopia one was really great. I had so much fun with it. And the one about all the food I ate at Disney World was so much fun to return to form and be able to eat at Disney World and stay for a while because I will be going back a lot this year and I cannot wait. I think that's it. Um, stick around for everything you got to know about traveling to Disney World with a baby. And I'll See you on the other side of this ad! Say goodbye 
your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Welcome back. This week, we are talking about how to go to Disney World with an infant and not come home crying. (laughs) Now, we will be doing another one of these because, listen, my baby when I went to Disney World was eight months. She was not crawling and she was new to eating solids. She was still really only eating like packets of goo. And going with a 10-monther who can eat solid food and has that pincher grasp and can crawl. It's a totally, totally different beast because a three-month-old, a six-month-old, a nine-month-old, and a 12-month-old are very different. But typically, guides just lump kids all together and give you the same advice. So once I make it that far past a year, I will be breaking things down based on age group and recommendations in the future for Disneyland and Disney World for any parents who want to go to the parks with youngins in the future. But I really just got to say before we get into this week's episode that this whole trip was wild. Because for so long, even professionally, I've been on the outside. I've gone with kids. I've gone to Disneyland with my nephew. I've gone to Disney World with a friend and her kids. But kids were kind of kids. I, I, They all just kind of seemed the same and they weren't really my responsibility and I didn't know the difference. Now, I'm on the inside. I see people with little babies. I see people with teenagers and I know what all of them are going through. And I know a lot of you listening maybe don't have kids or have older kids or are not in this situation yet and are approaching this type of trip in the future. So I tried to break everything down in a way that is still helpful for anyone listening. Whether you're going to Disney World next year with your sister and her kids, whether you're one day maybe going to have children and are just curious about how all this works, or if you're just wondering if Disney World vacations can possibly get more chaotic than they do already. Yes, they can. There's a whole layer of chaos beneath what we knew and loved and are used to. Trust me, it's bananas. And while it is stressful to fly solo cross-country and meet up with your parents in Florida and have a very significant family vacation, it was unlike any other trip to Walt Disney World I've ever had. This was one of the very best trips of my life, even with its stressful low points. I mean, it was stressful, but when is Walt Disney World not? And there is so much I wish I knew before I went and have learned and am going to share with you. So we are going all in on advice today in the order of planning, through arriving, through surviving. So let's begin with planning. We went to Disney World and did four days in the parks. 
It was originally going to be three and I stretched it to four. And if I could do it again in an ideal world with endless time, I would have taken a five day trip and taken a day off on day three or day four. We really could have used a break in the middle, but we didn't schedule one. And then we really didn't get a start on our la- on our last day until about 3 p.m. We I wouldn't even call it a late start because it was so late. Things really fell apart on that fourth day. And I think we could have saved the trip and not had that happen if there was a clear break between the different trips to the park. My advice would be to build in some sort of break, even if it's a late start on one of the mornings, just so you're not running and gunning for the entire trip. Now, when it comes to choosing a hotel when you're visiting Disney World with a tiny baby, where you stay is kind of sort of going to be tied to transportation and therefore kind of sort of tied to if you have a car seat or not. The gist of this is, basically, if you stay on property with Disney, you're fine to use all of their transportation, including the bus, without needing a car seat. You'll just have to collapse your stroller when you get on board. If you stay elsewhere, there are often coach buses that will take you at set times according to a schedule from the hotel to the parks. But if you are planning on going back to the hotel for nap time, like we attempted to do a few days, catching an hourly or half-hourly bus might mess up your plans. And if you drive, you'll need to rent a car seat or bring one on the plane, both of which are doable options, but just require advanced planning. But then you also have to deal with the parking trams, which means collapsing the stroller, which is an annoying start to the day. It is a challenge to plan around all this, but it's something you really want to do in the early planning phase. So you can kind of figure out what the rest of the shape of the trip will be. Because in a way, you need to decide transportation, hotel, car rental, what you're bringing on the plane, and stroller rental at the same time. We ended up traveling with Pearl in a Duna. It's basically this car seat stroller that I bought from a friend. And we rented an actual stroller from Kingdom Strollers, which was, by the way, so easy. They did not pay me to say this at all. Um, But we did a split stay at two hotels and they were easily able to accommodate dropping it off at one and then picking it up at another. I found the service to be flawless. There was a moment when I couldn't find the stroller at the hotel because we put it under the name Pearl instead of my last name. And they were so accommodating. They texted me back immediately. They were on top of it and we worked it out. It was there the whole time. We just didn't know. And they were really, really helpful. I will mention all the strollers that are available for rent from all these types of companies are jogging strollers, which I just thought were like maybe a little narrower, a little a little speedier. They, you, can, you can run with them. But it ends up that the carriage underneath was so much smaller than I'm accustomed to at home and weighing it down with stuff made it feel a little imbalanced and you had to be careful that it wouldn't tip. So keep that in mind when you are packing your suitcase and preparing to pack your bags for the day. We'll get into this further in a second but I digress. To get hotels out of the way, uh, we began, so we began at Four Seasons Resort Orlando at Walt Disney World Resort, where we stayed for two nights when we visited Magic Kingdom. And I say that with a slight sigh, because I know, I know, I know, it is expensive. It is very expensive. It is the priciest hotel there for a reason, because it is one of the most incredible hotels in the entire world, and I am absolutely obsessed with it. I do recognize it is a once-in-a-lifetime booking, if ever for most people. I happen to write a lot of stories for a luxury audience through one of my outlets, which is why I've stayed there a disproportionate amount of times in my life. But without boring you with the details, essentially a lot of the amenities, kids club, great pools, lazy river, weren't applicable for this trip with a baby. But the level of service was impeccable and made everything seamless on a tricky trip like this, even for a Disney pro like me. I was able to move a restaurant reservation 45 minutes back when I wanted to dash to Animal Kingdom to take Pearl on one last ride. And they took care of all of that on their end. 
I even was able to pre-order room service breakfast when Pearl woke up in the middle of the night, knowing I'd be starving when it was her actual wake-up time. I was able to schedule it. It arrived minutes after she woke up. That's the only reason I had a hot breakfast that day, and it was clutch. So when it comes to service, ease, and actually making a vacation feel like a vacation at Walt Disney World... This place is heaven. I mean, this is one of the experiences where the price tag matches the experience. Now, for the Epcot portion of the trip, the second half of the trip, we moved to the Walt Disney World Swan Reserve. If you listen to this podcast, you know I am a big fan of the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin and their third resort, the Swan Reserve. They, too, can help with all of your Disney problems. Um, On a past trip, when our accounts wouldn't link together, when I had to book individual lightning lanes in the morning, they were able to handle that basically in the middle of the night at like 1230 around midnight. But they also have the most perks next to Disney's own hotels, including extended evening theme park hours reserved traditionally for deluxe level hotels. That's the reason why I talk about this resort so much, because you can get perks you'd usually only get for staying somewhere like Beach Club or Animal Kingdom Lodge at a lower cost. And you can walk to two theme parks. It's huge in my book, especially since doing that with a baby means we didn't have to collapse the stroller to get in and out of the park, which was a relief. But part of the reason we stayed at Swan Reserve was because of their room offerings. I really wanted to experience a quote-unquote apartment-style room on this trip. I was hoping to be able to stay at a DVC-style Disney room with a kitchenette and a table and multiple bedrooms, but this trip was so spontaneous, was so last minute, I think I booked it less than three weeks out, that I just couldn't find anything available that worked for us. So since the first portion of our trip was in a regular standard hotel room at the Four Seasons, I was really curious what it would be like to stay with my parents in one room, Pearl and I in another, and a communal space in the middle, which, as I imagined, was an ideal setup for a multi-generational trip. And even though I had Pearl in my bedroom, because of the way the bathroom was configured and the toilet sink portion was locked off, I was able to use that as a kind of secondary bathroom to wash her bottles at night, use my loud electric toothbrush, and do it all without waking her. And once I put her down the first night we were there, actually, we were able to sit at the dining table in the room and eat dinner together without worrying about waking her up. So family-style rooms, on-property, off-property, wherever you find them, really are that much more helpful when you are traveling with an infant and don't have to sit in the same room as them in the darkness eating (laughs) your dinner. Now, when it comes to pre-planning, we are well past the Fast Pass Plus days, but you're kind of going to want to approach your day with the level of execution you may have put into a Disney World trip circa 2016. In an ideal world, you should have a game plan for each day before you leave. One to two things you know you want to book with Genie Plus if you choose to use it, and just let the rest be in flux, even before you step foot on the ground. That way you can roughly plan for when and where nap time will be before you even arrive and not be caught in the chaos of scheduling same day. We did use Genie Plus on our trip, and it helped a lot, really, because we didn't need it for everything. When we went, the lines weren't that long. We could have waited it out, but we really wanted to minimize her time in line. We kept Pearl on her regular sleep schedule, which meant on the East Coast, going to bed at 10 p.m. and waking up around 9 a.m. Pearl ended up sleeping a little less than usual, which is normal when we travel. We've traveled a lot with her at this point. But I planned Genie Plus around those sleep times because we were in the same room for the entire trip, which meant I couldn't wake up at 7 a.m. and book return times without waking her up. Since I knew this in advance, I was able to plan meal times accordingly for any table service reservations we had. And 
I knew we'd be using Genie Plus at a disadvantage. So doing that and knowing that before I departed saved a lot of energy upon arrival. If you have never ordered groceries to a Disney World hotel, this is the trip to do it. I have never been so hungry at Disney World in my life because it was like, okay, she's fed, she's napped, she's happy. I want to use that hour or so window of time to go on a ride. I don't want to use it to wait while I eat. I was hungry. I was dehydrated. I breastfeed. I needed more water. And I ordered, I'm going to call it an ungodly amount of water. My parents were in Florida. I ordered it to a Whole Foods. They picked it up and drove it. So it wasn't a delivery, but essentially for these, it was delivered to the hotel in a sense. So you know what I mean? I would do this again and use one of the many, many delivery services. However, I ordered so much water that both of my parents gave me a hard time and we finished all of it. I also ordered a bunch of snacks, which were so clutch because I didn't have to further delay my day to wait in line for food when time is passing. I'm telling you, when you have a baby, you get it. Once they're fed, once they're happy, you want to use that window of time to do stuff. You don't want to wait in line for a pretzel. I was also able to order baby food so I didn't have to fly with it, order distilled water so I can make formula. Again, highly recommend doing a grocery order and not spending It'll end up being like 120 bucks on bottles of water in the park when you can bring them yourself. Another tip, which I learned the hard way, do not book an early morning flight back home. I had to pack while Pearl was asleep after a long park day on our last night, and it was horrible. (laughs) Give yourself a little more time and make it easier to get in and out in the morning by not booking an early, early flight. Moving on to arriving at Walt Disney World Resort. I will tell you, as a sidebar, I learned so much on this trip. I'm still compiling everything. This feels like the tip of the iceberg. I'm going back to Disneyland. I will be going back to Disney World at a point in the future, but there is so much more to tell you. And this is just, this is just the top. This is just the top line stuff. And what I think people without kids, aka me about a year ago, didn't understand, don't understand, is that depending on the room set up with a baby, I alluded to this shortly ago, when it's their bedtime, you are just sitting in pitch black darkness all night. They sell a product to avoid this. It's called a slumber pod. It freaks me out. It's a little tent that goes over a crib. I think there's a fan in it. I'm too neurotic to use something like that. So I have never used it. I will never use it. I just sit in darkness on my phone and be like, when you didn't time for bed. But what was uniquely difficult about a Disney World trip is that at night is when I usually pack my bag. It's when I get ready for the next day. You can't shower and blow dry your hair. You can't do any of that. Zip, zilch, nothing. Which is why I found packing the stroller for the day at the parks to be so stressful. I tend to overpack. I will say that is, uh, that's like the most political way I could put that. I pack a lot and I brought everything she needed to the park, which made us a hot mess at security. We had to get pulled aside every single time, schlepping bags, me and my mom, just so much stuff. We had more stuff on our stroller than anyone else who had their stroller parked at stroller parking, including the people who put Christmas lights on their uh, on their strollers so they could see it at night. Like they had decorations. I still had more stuff. I have not yet figured out the ideal stroller pack for a Disney park, but I'm getting there. And I strive to know, and hopefully in the next few months, I will perfect it. But the truth is, 
And this is maybe just my perspective, but it was our first trip. You never know if your kid is going to love rides, if they're going to hate rides, if they adore theme park music, or if they despise all of the noises they hear. Will they be cold or hot or tired or hungry or uncomfy? Anything is possible and packing everything you need just makes your day go smoother. So I stand behind everything I brought, but I put a little pin in it because I will finesse this going forward. I will eventually have a full product list of all my essentials for you. After being out of town all of December, everything is tried and tested. Truly, we have broken it in. But some of the things I bring on every trip for the hotel room include a drying rack for any bottles. I bring a brush. I bring baby soap. I bring all of that. I bring an inflatable bathtub and a pump so that there is a safer place for her to sit since she's not fully ready for a true hotel bathtub yet. And I always bring a crib sheet and a pack and play sheet just to make any different bed, regardless of which one you get. Sometimes I call it a crib and it's a pack and play, vice versa, just to make her different bed feel more familiar. She sleeps really, really well when we're not home. And I think, I don't know, personally, I think that is a little part of it. In the stroller, I'd always bring the basics, but also a baby carrier for lines and on rides so she won't warm away. It really helped to have her in there facing out, enjoying it, but somewhat restrained and not just by a lap bar. A fanny pack so I can have my essentials on hand for when she's in the baby carrier since I left the full bag in the stroller. And multiple changes of clothes, of course, food, snacks, all of that, but also headphones. Headphones came in handy on this trip. Because if you follow me on Instagram, you know that we had a last minute attendance at Candlelight Processional. I did not know John... Okay, we're going to get into the story. We'll get into the story. We'll get into the story. I did not know that John Stamos was going to be at Epcot when we were at Epcot. It was happenstance. A friend of mine said, oh, we're going to try to catch John doing Candlelight. And I almost stopped dead in my tracks because... If you listen to this podcast, you know that all my mom has ever wanted to do was meet John Stamos. That's all she's wanted. She's asked for it for years. It's in her voicemail. She's nonstop talked about it. So the wheels started turning in my head. And the weird thing is I had been thinking about him the whole trip because I remembered our podcast episode when he talked about how much more magical it is to attend with your child. Like the magic won't go away when you go with a kid. It'll only enhance it, which was something that I feared. And having kids at this place wouldn't be special in the same way to me. And so I was thinking about that already. And then he happened to be at Epcot. So I dropped him a line. He invited us to the show. We got to see Candlelight Processional, which, you know, is not, um, as someone who is Jewish, it is not for me. It is not something that I typically feel comfortable at, but being friendly with the person hosting it was a different, kind of a different situation. And it was really nice to see him. And then my mother got to meet him. My mother was so excited. Audrey was beyond thrilled to hug him and to say hi and to gab. He got to meet Pearl, which was really special because I I don't know, remember where I posted this, but uh, when I recorded that episode with John Stamos, nobody knew I was pregnant. My mom did not know I was pregnant, but I ended up telling John Stamos that I was pregnant. So John knew I was pregnant before my mom did. And it was just really, really special in a full circle moment to be able to see John there and have him meet the baby that when we were talking was inside Midemi. So to get back to the packing list, uh, the headphones, if I had not brought those, candlelight with the horns? Are you kidding me? It would have been Meltdown Central, but I popped those on Pearl and she was good to go. She stayed through all of candlelight. It was so loud for a baby, but she had her little baby headphones on and they were great. And I will eventually share all this stuff with you because uh, if there's one thing I'm passionate about, it's how to pack your bag for Disney World. And so this, this is where I thrive now. 
<laughs> this is all that I care about. We got to talk about the baby care center, but we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors and we will be right back. <laughs> Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. care center because it is reliable, but not for what you think. And if you have heard of this baby care center, whether or not you have children, you probably have. It is a place where you can go and change diapers for your kids. You can feed them food and milk and basically take care of all child related things in all four parks of Walt Disney World. What I'm about to say is not applicable to everyone because this space is helpful for a lot of people. But for me, little aggressive me, I'm not traveling to Disney World schlepping my heavy child, packing for days, waking up, getting everyone ready and out the door and into a park to sit in a indoor somewhat clinical room. I like to use the baby care center more like infant CVS. 
They've got a sink you can wash bottles in, but more importantly, they have a bunch of stuff for sale and they are a reliable stop when you're on your way and just need to grab something. On this trip, I was bogged down by my stuff. As I mentioned, I packed too much. I did not realize the stroller was that much smaller than the one I have at home because I'd never rented a stroller before in my life. But I was able to come in here and buy a stroller hook with an AP discount, which made my trip so much better because I was able to balance the stroller and just throw a bag on the clip and move on with my day. In terms of visiting the parks themselves, my biggest takeaway is that rides will never be the same. They will never be the same. I never noticed how dark Peter Pan was, how loud Haunted Mansion was, use those headphones, came in touch, how scared she'd be of the drop on Frozen Ever After. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know until I downloaded all of her photos of my Disney experience this week. And her little face, because she was facing out of the carrier, was just... I had no idea. It's just wild that they let you hold on to a wiggly person and just hope they don't fall out of a boat. Like, it's just wild to me that I was able to do that. And it was magical. And she loved it. I now look at every single ride in a completely different way. Ones I didn't even like. And this next sentence is not related to that. But Navi River Journey, a ride I actually do like, but is nobody's favorite. Let's be real was Pearl's favorite. I had no idea that this would be an absolute hit for a young, young child. She looked around everywhere. She loved seeing the shaman. She loved the footprints and the colors. She loved it. And it was so nice to see a ride like that in a brand new light. And it was a moment I'm going to cherish forever. Now, our third topic when it comes to Disney World with a small, small baby is how to survive. And when it comes to getting ready and getting out the door in the morning, you gotta take shifts. It is the only way. I strongly believe you cannot get ready for the day with a eight-month-old with just one person. I'm not gonna lie. Flying to Disney World was not that bad. I had these lofty dreams afterwards of taking her to Disneyland for a night, getting a room, having a magical little theme park getaway. And that was completely squashed after this trip, which by the way, went very, very well. If any of you, by the way, if any of you have ever traveled to Disney World solo with a child, just you and a child under the age of one, please reach out because I have a short list of questions I need to ask you. I genuinely don't know how you would do it. Showering, getting dressed. I couldn't do most things without my mom coming into my room and washing her. I even pushed the crib all the way across the room, all by the bathroom. (laughs) so I could get ready. And I put her in the crib and that lasted about four and a half minutes. I had to think 10 steps ahead and would have never been able to pack the stroller and the bags and get myself ready and do all that without another family member there. Something I have gotten a lot of questions about, especially from parents who are nursing, is what do I do when I have to nurse my baby? And I'm here to tell you, do not worry about it for one hot second. Pearl refused to take bottles on this trip, a real fun surprise. So I nursed the entire time. And while most advice that I'd heard was tied to uh, go to the baby care center when your baby's hungry, do this to get away from the crowds, that was not my experience. When my baby's hungry, I do not have time to schlep to a baby care center. I barely have time to rip my clothes off. I have to feed her now. And I fed her everywhere because of it. I fed her in big top souvenirs by the back wall as my mom bought me caramel corn and I got a fresh fuel rod right after. Not a bad day. I fed her on the concrete. 
outside of the Boardwalk Deli because there were no seats available. I fed her next to Cinderella Castle during our Magic Kingdom photo shoot. Shout out to Zach Wolf, who I wrote an opus about on Instagram. Hire him for your family pictures at Disney World. He was incredible, but had to do that multiple times during that. I fed her all over Walt Disney World because when your child is hungry, nothing else matters. So if this is a source of stress for you, I wouldn't be stressed because you're just going to make do with what's happening around you. There is always an air-conditioned area somewhere that you can plop at. And if you can physically feed your child while standing or while sitting on the ground, you truly are good to go. If that does not apply to you, that is more challenging. You would need to seek out a special place because seats might not be available on a bench or at a table near where you are. But for me, it just wasn't even a thought. I do, by the way, I do sometimes use a a cover, like a little uh, breastfeeding cover, and sometimes don't. I need to pull together all my favorite products. That's for another day. But on this trip, I exclusively used an AMA cover, A-M-M-A, that my friend gave to me, which I looked up. I did not know it was $100. I need to get her a gift. But I, while looking it up, uh, there's also this one called uh, Quince? Keats? Quince? I don't know how to say that word or no, but it basically looks like the same thing and it's only 40 bucks. Now the one I have, the AMA cover, I love it because it's breathable and it has all these little holes in it. So it has this meshy design where the baby can see out, but people can't see in and they don't get overheated in hot weather. I've used it in hot weather in many different cities and it's really, really worked out well. Personally, I don't mind feeding without one. I don't want to do that in Disney World, but I do find that the cover helps the baby stay focused and not be distracted by everything happening around her. And also I start using the cover because when I feed, I get bored and I start staring at people and there is nothing more uncomfortable than a woman feeding her child, staring you dead in the eyes. (laughs) So that is why I use a breastfeeding cover and I recommend the same one to you. A big bit of advice I have for you, maybe the most important takeaway I have is that when you're in the park, clean your baby's hands as often as you clean yours. Now, I always am using an antibacterial goo when I'm in the park. I touch things all the time. I try to keep my hands clean because I'm always eating snackies. But it's not really built into the baby protocol to wipe their little hands unless they're eating or they stick them in something gooey. But (laughs) heed my advice because this is a thousand percent how I got very, very, very sick. Pearl touched the lap bars, touched the vehicles, touched everything. And while I kept my hands clean, I forgot the babies stick the tiny hands directly into your mouth. So she essentially touched a lap bar and then shoved it right in a germ hole in my face. I was sick for four days when I got home. It's the sickest I've been in years. Pearl was sick for, I want to say like six hours. She just had one really, really bad night of sleep and then was totally fine. But for me, uh, I'm just going to tell you from what I lived through, make sure you wipe their hands with wipes because it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. I was, uh, I've been out of town for most of December, as I mentioned, and the time between, actually my body really came through. So big ups to my body, but I got sick the night after I came back. I think it was the night into the morning. So I came back, flew home, totally healthy, got sick that night, and then was sick until I left for my next trip really a miracle when it comes to travel because I was not sick on either end. I did have food poisoning on the next end, but that's separate. But when it comes to this, I wish I would have cleaned her hands because I could have avoided all of this just by being more conscious of it. Another big bit of advice I have, and it sounds like a cliche because it is, is to pack 
your patience. Do I sound like someone's random uncle? Pack your patience. I say this because this was going through my head the entire time I was there. Being at Disney World with a baby is not easy. Everything felt like a ticking clock at a certain point between the feeding and the milk and the naps and the ride return times and getting back. But it was worth it because it was worth it to me. And that's why our trip was so great. I didn't expect it to this level, but there was really a small undercurrent of anxiety I had all day because everything was so new to her. I would just wonder, is she cold? Is she is she hot? Is it too loud? Is it too fast? Is it too busy? But Seeing the joyful bewilderment on her face when she woke up from a nap to see Tigger waving hello unexpectedly or looking at the little figures on It's a Small World was all worth it. I loved watching her little eyes just glare at everything around her. Everything on Navi River Journey, the Grand Floridian Lobby before dinner, Belle sloshing around in her library. It was unbelievably fun to be in my favorite place with my favorite person. A little sponge soaking it all in. And you will inevitably, at some point, even amidst the magic, be frustrated, tired, annoyed, and or stressed. But you'll also be elated and overjoyed and thrilled and gleeful. But there will be those low points. Just recognize that those moments will pass, the crying will stop, and just take a step aside and get through it. And an addendum to that, lean into caffeine. (laughs) I have never felt more tired on a Disney World trip. Keep in mind, I usually sleep four to six hours a night when I'm there for up to a week. I've never felt more tired, yet walked so few steps. I barely broke 10,000 steps most days, but was broken. The pace is so different. It's so slow. You can't even entertain Starbucks. So if you see a Joffrey's, if you see coffee on a regular quick service menu, get it wherever, whenever you can. One of the big questions that always comes up is what to do about Genie Plus. And there really needs to be a whole separate episode just talking about balancing a baby's nap and mealtimes with Genie Plus. But to give you my top tip, I recommend using Genie Plus for the most important rides to you according to your schedule, regardless of what standby lines usually are. You don't want to wait in line for Peter Pan for 50 minutes only to have your kid fall asleep the moment you get on. You know what I mean? Prioritize when they're awake with what you got going on and be flexible on the rest. Being able to skip the line to meet Mickey and and not have to hold her for 30 minutes was so clutch and worth keeping her up for a little longer in order to do that. Which leads into my forever top tip for visiting Walt Disney World with a baby. Have one main goal for each day. I've said it before, I'll say it again, but doing this makes sure you know how to schedule your day and make sure you do what's most important to you and everything else can fall into place after. On my trip, our day one goal was to meet Mickey. Our day two goal was our Cinderella photo shoot. Our day three was to get her on Frozen Ever After. And day four? Well... That's my next tip. (laughs) Be prepared to abandon all of your plans. As I mentioned, we kept Pearl on LA time, which was great for us, but we still always skipped fireworks because we would have gotten out too late to make it back to the hotel to get her in bed at time. And I really wanted to make sure she slept her normal hours at night because during the day, things were going to be a little wonky and different from usual. Part of this trip involved me attending the debut of Luminous, the Symphony of Us at Epcot. And all of the stars were aligning for this media opening and seeing it and having my baby there and my family and everything. 
We didn't even have to worry about transportation because we walked out of the Swan Reserve and walked there. Pearl slept in that day and napped in the room. We were fully set up for success and it just didn't happen. Right before the show started, Pearl let us know she was done. She was done with theme parks and we had to turn on our heels and leave 10 minutes before the show started. So I don't know what happens in Illuminus. (laughs) I will be back. I know I will be back and it's going to be my top priority when I get there. But this example just proves what I mean. Even the best plans you make, the ones that seem impossible to break, can be broken and you just got to ride with it. But if you go into your trip with these tips and this knowledge, I promise you, you will have a wonderful time. As I've mentioned before, Pearl might not remember it, but I will never, ever forget this trip. Hi, Carly. My name is Marcus from Houston, Texas. And uh, my first one to say, um, a couple of years ago, actually last year, I guess, um, I went um, with my husband to Disneyland Paris, and I called you and asked a few questions, and you text me and had an actual conversation with me via text message, and it helped so much, and I'm just eternally grateful. Anyway, um, I have another question, because now we are going to um, Disney World for my birthday um, next September, so September 2024, um, and we are, it's going to be the two of us, maybe some other friends, but we will not be having any children. Um, my birthday is on a Thursday, and I was wondering um, if you could just help me create, like, the perfect birthday day um, at Disney World. I am, I, we obviously want to go to the parks, but, but we also are fine with, you know, eating dinner at a hotel or outside of the parks or whatever. Um, I really want to have a nice dinner that day. Um, I've heard a bunch of different um, recommendations from California Grill to Narcoozies to um, the place at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, but I, you know, I, my head is just swimming with possibilities. Um, so really, my real question is, can you tell me where to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner on my birthday? Maybe sprinkle in some ideas for, like, fun things to do that are, like, you know, feel special. And then especially, you know, I just really want to know where I should go to dinner, um, a special dinner um, on my actual birthday. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a good day. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited and so glad that I was able to help. And I'm going to continue to hopefully help with your birthday question. Now, judging from what you said, I am just going to stick to food because if we get into things to do, um, this podcast will be 45 years long. So we're going to stick to food. And it sounds like dinner is the real blowout meal you're hoping for. Dinner is like the shining star after a perfect day of eating. So that is how I structured your day. Because breakfast, we are going to ramp up from breakfast to lunch to dinner. Because for breakfast, I am going to tell you to skip it, to skip it. And here's why. I love a fun coffee on your birthday. A fun coffee, a flavored coffee, a silly coffee, a frozen coffee drink, because you are packed with sugar and caffeine, and you can really start that day with a bang. Now, depending on what hotel you're at or where you're going that day, this could be a Joffrey's, this could be a Starbucks in the park, but really the ideal version of this is going to be getting a Starbucks on Main Street in Magic Kingdom, sitting in the park hub grass, glaring at the castle and enjoying your birthday with a sugary breakfast pastry. Wherever you're going to get coffee at Disney World, there will be some sort of croissant, Danish um, bagel, if you're so inclined, some sort of yummy, carby type of thing that you can have with your coffee. And I think that is really a move. That is 
what your birthday morning should be. You focus on the drink, you get some sort of breakfast yummy with it, maybe a cookie, uh, maybe, maybe multiple things, whatever, but the coffee is really where we are starting because we are setting you up to be hungry for lunch. And I know you said that you might be in a hotel, you might be in a park, but I feel like you gotta be in the parks if you have admission. You know what I mean? Like we gotta keep the good times rolling on this birthday. And for you, (laughs) I'm gonna give you an unconventional approach. So I believe that two table service meals on a birthday is a lot, especially back-to-back lunch and dinner. And it sounds like you wanna wait for dinner to be the big meal. So I am going to recommend that you get a bunch of stuff from a table service restaurant and you just live like royalty. You just have a a buffet for you and your party. You get to sample little yummies. You get to try different things. You don't order one meal and sit and eat it. You get to really explore and have a smorgasbord of yummies for you to celebrate you being alive. Now, there's different places I would recommend, but you can do this in any of the four theme parks. Um, I feel like Casey's Corner is going to be a really good spot for this. If you are in Magic Kingdom, you can get a hot dog, you can get corn dog nuggies, you can get fries, you can go to the hub and get a pretzel and popcorn and just really have a spread and enjoy all of it. Um, at Epcot, I'm going to say the Mexico Pavilion at uh, La Cantina de San Angel. I believe that is the quick service one. I get them the names switched up a little, but that should be the quick service one. You can get uh, tacos, chips, guacamole, a bunch of stuff to split with whoever you're with. You can also do this at Backlot Express at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Get chicken strips, burgers, fries, cheese sauce, and at Animal Kingdom. Oh, I would maybe go wild card and go to Satuli Canteen and get a bunch of different stuff on the menu there. Get the cheeseburger pods, get a couple bowls, try a bunch of different things. Because we want you to be satiated. We want you to be full, but not too full after lunch. We don't want you to go to a buffet. You don't want you to overeat because dinner is going to be the meal. Now, as a reporter who writes about food at Disney World, I feel like the safe answer, the go-to answer would be something like Takumite, which is fancy and pricey, but glorious. Something like California Grill, see the fireworks as you dine. But no, 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 no. You didn't, you didn't call just anyone. You called me. And it seems like you really want this to be a birthday dinner. So I'm going to recommend what I think matches your energy best which is Hoop-dee-doo musical review. Here's why. It's going to feel like everyone is celebrating you, even if they don't know who you are. Because where else can you play a washboard and wave a napkin around your head and have everyone else do it at the same time? I guess you can wave a napkin around your head at California Grill, but it's not going to hit the same way. Here is a place where people are going to really pay attention to people around them and celebrate and be in a joyous good mood because that is what this show brings out of its audience. You can also, if you want to make it a little extra special, you can also pre-order a birthday cake. I will put a link to that in the show notes of this episode. I've done it before. The cake's Listen, it's not going to be the best cake you've ever had, but it's going to be really fun when it comes out to celebrate your birthday. I just think this is going to be a slam dunk home run way to celebrate your birthday. They also have three different time slots for the shows. So you can have an early birthday dinner and then go catch something at night if you're interested in nighttime entertainment. You can stay in the parks all day and then have a later dinner. It is perfect for your schedule, perfect for what you're looking for, and I hope we'll make the perfect birthday. Thank you so much for entrusting me with this and let me know how it goes. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful time. That's our show! I started that way too high and I thought I couldn't hit that note. <laughs> I'm 
able to do it. Thank you all so much for listening. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts and rate and follow us on Spotify. You can give us a call at any time, day or night, middle of the night, middle of the day, anything works. It's 747 Churros. You can also send us a voice note to 747 Churros. We have text capability uh, on 747 Churros. I usually respond to voice calls uh, via text directly. It's harder to get back to all the texts at once, but I'm there. I'll get back to you eventually. I'm on top of it. You can also email it to 747churros at gmail.com as a voice note attachment or any type of audio file you got. You can buy Very Amusing merchandise at very-amusing.com. And you can follow me, Carly Wiesel, at Carly Wiesel on all your internet platforms. You can also join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited copiously by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hi, sweetheart. It's mom. I did love this episode, probably because I was there and I got to enjoy everything with you. Okay, so starting with the Columbia Harbor House, I did have the salmon, green beans, and rice, and it was delicious. And I agree with you. It was difficult to find a table. So the strategy for me was you wait in line, and I go take Pearl, and I go circling around till I find a table at one of the four rooms. It takes a little bit of peak time. Like when it's like 12 o'clock, noon, 1 o'clock, you really got to go a little bit early and try to scout out a table. But it worked out great. When the food was ready, we were sitting down, so it was perfect. On the Crystal Palace, it was definitely a different visit with just the adults. It was a lot of money. It did go up in price quite a bit from the last time we were there, but it was very good, but we just didn't eat that much. Right, popcorn, my favorite subject. The popcorn at the Little Red Stand by where they do all the musicals, was so buttery and salted perfectly that I filled it up at least two, three times. So when we went to Epcot, we also tried the Canadian maple popcorn, but it wasn't as good as I remembered. The popcorn was very low in the case, and I think the thing is, buy it when it's just freshly made. It's so much better. Now, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but at the Floridian, the Narcussi, um, that was so delicious. The fish was great. I had salmon. It was so good. And the cheeky sai in the Japanese village was an absolute favorite. You are so right. It was fabulous. So the gyoza, which you called it, I called it the dumplings, was the greatest thing I think I probably ever ate. And the best part was when I was watching Pearl, she loved it. And when she got a little fussy, I would walk her by the other side of the restaurant where they cook at your table and the chef's cooking the food and everybody's, like, talking and making utensil noises and doing demos. And she loved it. She just loved it. Okay, the boardwalk jelly, I was so starving, and I wanted a turkey sandwich so bad. I was at the point I would have ate sand. It was so good. I was so happy. And the Vianopoli, the pizza place, was very, very good. Um, I don't eat pizza for stomach issues, but I had a piece of pepperoni, and it was amazing. And on my bathroom trip with Pearl, we went by the kitchen, and she was mesmerized by watching the pizzas being made. The chef was tossing them up in the air, real high, extra high probably for her, and we watched him make three pizzas, and her little curious face was adorable. It was an amazing trip. We should do an episode on the, on the best changing room bathrooms because I've seen them all. So I think you should always bring your parents, mostly your mother, because we love to help and we love to see the kids enjoying themselves, and I love to watch you have uninterrupted meal and watching you actually laugh and eat and not have to stop 20 times. 
So on the other hand, I get the one-on-one with my Pearl, and I live for that. So thank you so much for letting me be a part of Pearl's first of everything. It was my dream. Oh, boy, I'm in big trouble. I went over my limit. I'm so sorry. I just wanted to get this in. But I have to say, with eating out every meal besides the character breakfast, Pearl was a trooper. She ate when we ate and smiled through everything. So great episode. I'm in big trouble. I love you, Carly. I love you, Pearly. I love you, John Stables. Bye.